Let me begin by asking you a question this morning. Have you ever met someone who just seemed impossible to please? There's kind of a fictional story I was told years ago about a large dog that walked into a butcher shop carrying a purse in its mouth. The dog puts the purse down and sits in front of the meat case, and the butcher jokingly asks, Want to buy some meat? Woof, barks the dog. Hmm, says the butcher. Well, what kind? Liver? Bacon? Steak? Woof, barks the dog. Well, how much steak? Half a pound? One pound? Woof. Well, the amazed butcher wraps up the meat, finds the money in the dog's purse, and the dog leaves just as another customer waiting in line is watching everything that just happened and out of curiosity decides to follow the dog. It goes down the street and enters an apartment house climbs to the third floor and begins scratching at a door. With that, the door swings open, and an angry man starts shouting at the dog. Well, stop, yells the onlooker. This is the most intelligent animal I've ever seen. Intelligent, says the angry man. This is the third time this week he's forgotten his key. Ever see someone just be ungrateful? You see something amazing, and yet it's met with a less than enthusiastic or unthankful response. Well, this week is Thanksgiving, and I want to talk about giving thanks. From Psalm 100, we read this. Shout for the joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. In this psalm, we are invited to give thanks. Thanksgiving is a time that is set aside to remember to give thanks to God. Thanksgiving became an official American holiday back in 1863 at the height of the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln, who in a proclamation asked all Americans to, I quote, give thanks to God and to ask God to commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife, and to heal the wounds of the nation. And so he declared Thanksgiving to be the final Thursday in November, and that tradition remains today. From the very beginning, the focus was giving thanks to God. It was an invitation to the nation to give thanks and to heal from its wounds. We see a similar invitation in the psalm that we read. In verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. God invites us into his presence to respond to his love and grace, to give thanks and praise to him. 
Sadly, though, many times we see God's blessings, but fail to take the time to say thank you for them. Max Licato tells about living as an American in Brazil. One day as he's walking along the street on his way to the university to teach a class, he felt a tug on his pants leg. Turning around, he saw a little boy, about five or six-year-old, with dark, beady eyes and a dirty little face. And the little boy looked up at the big American and said, Bread, sir. He was a little beggar boy, and Locato said, There are always little beggar boys in the streets of Brazil. Usually I turn away from them because there are so many and you can't feed them all. But there was something so compelling about this little boy that I couldn't turn away. So taking his hand, I said, come with me, and I took him into a coffee shop. Max told the owner, I'll have a cup of coffee and give the boy a piece of pastry, whatever he wants. Since the coffee counter was at the other end of the store, Max walked on and got a cup of coffee, forgetting about the little boy. And once he kind of got his cup of coffee, totally forgot about the little child, because usually little beggar boys get the bread, run back out into the street and disappear. But this one didn't. After he got his pastry, he went over to the big American and just stood there until Legato fell to staring eyes. Max Wright, I turned and looked at him. The little boy, holding his pastry in one hand, looked up and said, Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Legato said, I was so touched by the boy's thanks that I would have bought him the store. And I sat there for another 30 minutes, late from my class, just thinking about a little beggar boy who came back and said, thank you. What about you? How do you respond to the love and mercy of Jesus? Do you just take it for granted and forget about it? Or do you accept God's invitation to draw near and to say thanks? So what motivated the psalmist here to enter in and give thanks and praise? Well, he says it's because of God's character, his love and faithfulness through the years. Verse 5, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The psalmist, overwhelmed by the goodness and love of God, cannot but respond with gratitude and thanksgiving. You know, the roots of thanksgiving go back much further than when it became a holiday in 1863. The very first recorded thanksgiving in North America was celebrated in 1621 when the Plymouth colonists and Native Americans shared an autumn harvest feast. Maybe you've heard that story, but maybe you're unfamiliar with the background. It starts in 1605 when a Native American named Squanto from the village of Padowitz in Massachusetts met his first white man. He later traveled to England with an explorer named John Weymouth. And in England, he experienced many adventures and was able to learn some English. He returned to America in 1608, three years later. And on his return to America, he was kidnapped by an Englishman named Thomas Hunt, who was one of John Smith's lieutenants. He was taken from Massachusetts, along with other Native Americans, by an English ship captain 
and sold into slavery in Spain. There, Squanto was bought by a Spanish monk who treated him well, freed him from slavery, and taught him the Christian faith. Squanto eventually made his way to England, where he improved his English and worked in the stables of a man named John Stanley. Stanley sympathized with Squanto's desire to return home and eventually raised funds so he could return to America. It wasn't until 1618, 10 years after Squanto was first kidnapped, that he was on a ship returning to America as a free man. But when he arrived home, he learned that his tribe had died from an epidemic, probably smallpox brought by earlier colonists. He and another Native American, Samoset, went to live with a neighboring tribe near Plymouth, Massachusetts. It was there that he was introduced to the new pilgrim settlers. And there, Squanto became a picture of forgiveness. He had been captured by the English, sold into slavery. His entire tribe wiped out. But instead of being bitter, he chose to help the 47 remaining of the 102 pilgrims who had barely survived their first harsh winter. He helped them to build warm houses. He taught them when to plant their corn crop and how it should be planted. Without his help, there could not have been 20 acres of corn produced that year. Squanto also advised the pilgrims in their relations with other Native Americans. He helped them make friends. He acted as an, as an interpreter. He guided them on trading expeditions, gave them advice on bargaining. The pilgrims wouldn't have made it through the year without the wisdom and guidance of Squanto. Governor William Bradford, in Bradford's History of the English Settlement, wrote this regarding Squanto's final moments. Squanto fell ill of fever, and within a few days, he died. He begged the governor to pray for him, that he might go to God in heaven, and bequeath several of his things to his English friends as remembrances. His death was a great loss. There would have been no first Thanksgiving without Squanto, who made a choice to forgive out of the forgiveness that he had received in Christ. That Thanksgiving flowed out of the thankfulness of one man's heart. Even through trials and difficult situations, he had been prepared to be a blessing. This is why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances. You think about that for a moment. Give thanks in all circumstances. When your winter commute to town leaves you stuck in construction traffic, give thanks. When you lose cell phone reception during a really important phone call, give thanks. When you are working virtually from home with four children who are doing virtual classes and your internet crashes, give thanks. You see, a grateful heart grows with being thankful 
or even the mundane and the ordinary. In fact, ancient rabbis would use ordinary things of life to teach about thankfulness. The rabbi would take an ordinary cup of wine and give thanks to God for the grapes crushed to make a really good beverage. A rabbi would take an ordinary loaf of bread loaded with carbs and give thanks to God for really good carbs to eat. But by giving thanks, the ordinary became extraordinary because it was a gift from God. So what do you have to be thankful for today? How has God's great love and faithfulness been seen in your own life this past year? What ordinary things or circumstances are you thankful for? Well, here the psalmist can't but respond, and so he does in verses 1 through 3. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He says, shout for the Lord to the Lord. In other words, we come together in worship, thoughtfully declaring aloud God's goodness. You know, in 1621, Edward Winslow, one of the members of the Plymouth colony that survived that first winter, wrote these words describing the first harvest festival when colonists and Native Americans came together. He writes, Our harvest of corn came in well, and God be praised, we had a good increase of Indian corn, and our barley crop was also good. But our crop of peas wasn't worth the gathering. They were sown too late, and although they came up very well and blossomed, the sun parched them in the blossom. Once our harvest was brought in, our governor sent four men out to hunt fowl in order that we might have a special celebration, rejoicing together over the fruits of our labors. Those four hunters in one day killed enough fowl to feed our company for almost a week. We were joined in our celebration by many Indians. The great Indian king, along with some 90 Indian men, joined us for three days as entertainment and feasting. The Indians themselves went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and gave as gifts to our governor and to our captain and others. And although our harvests are not always so plentiful, as it was at this time with us. Yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish that you could be partakers of our plenty. Those are really profound words. By the goodness of God, we are so far from want. How do you respond to God's faithfulness? Maybe it's just simply by sitting down and thinking, about all the ways that God has blessed you. And you put into words what God has done in your heart and in your life, and then you shout it out. You declare it to others. In fact, I want to invite you this Thanksgiving week, when you are, have gathered with families and friends, to maybe spend some time sharing with one another, what are you thankful for? To declare what God has done for you. Maybe before the meal, go around the table and ask everyone, what's one thing 
that you are thankful for this past year. And by giving thanks, you are declaring in a personal way, as the psalmist does in verse 5, the Lord is good. That means that we've experienced God's goodness in our lives in a personal way. Maybe in good times, maybe in difficult times, but in all circumstances, we give thanks. Thanks to the Lord our God. And we do this out of the overflow of the goodness of God. The God who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. Jesus, who in the moments before his impending suffering and sacrifice for us, gathered his family around a little table. And as a rabbi would, took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it. Taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he shared it. Father, thank you that now I can be broken, poured out for others. In response by faith, we say, thank you for a gift we didn't deserve. We have so much to be thankful for. There's a lot of things that we as a church can be thankful for as we look at where God has led us in this past year, even in challenging circumstances and unprecedented times. God has been good. And I am so thankful for the opportunities and ministry we have had. However, this Thanksgiving I would also like us to focus not just on where we have come from, but where God is calling us to go. And I'd like for you to consider, in the coming year, is there a ministry that God has laid upon your heart? Maybe there is an area that God is asking you to get involved with. Maybe like Squanto, God has been preparing you to help a certain group of people. And out of the overflow of what you have received in Christ, you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing to other people. So this next week, make sure you take time to celebrate. Spend time with family and friends. Eat turkey and pie if that's what you really enjoy. But most importantly, Take time to say thank you to God for his many blessings. Would you join me in prayer? Our Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a good God, a loving, graceful God. You loved us so much that you have invited us into your presence to the point of even becoming like one of us, coming to this earth in flesh, living amongst us, showing us how to live a life of servanthood, sacrifice, love towards one another, but then giving of yourself, your son, dying on a cross,
freeing us from Satan's sin and self so that we can live a life of gratitude and thankfulness, a good life. Thank you, God, for being God. And Lord, I pray this season that we all just give you the thanks and worship that is due your holy name. We pray this through Jesus' name. Amen.